hey there, welcome to the theater. I'm like, hang on, who's this guy? Who is this guy? <laughs> this is like, this what is, happened? This guy just instantly flicked a switch yeah. into parody land, like cheesy, fake uh, bullshit. And, and oh, I could mm. not believe it. And then at the end of the show, I, I just sort of tongue in cheek, I said, wow, you're really very passionate about the uh, introduction. He goes, oh, I love this. It really fires me up. And I'm, I'm, oh, I'm like, no. you're drinking your own shit. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is wrong. Yeah. Unapologetically hypeless and heartfelt, this is Kicking Back with James Shramko and Joel Osborne. Whoa. Yeah, that looks like it's going to work. All right, great. Okay. So we are, we're at your place, Joel. We are. This is, uh, I believe, the first podcast we've done away from the Manly uh, Peninsula. Well, we've done some where you've been overseas. We have, but that we, is true. But we, you've always been back at the home base. Usually, well, it's just the nature of how I like to organise <laughs> things, I suppose. It's convenient. Mm-hmm. But I thought it'd be... Good to reciprocate. Come out here, see this, um, see the remnants of a blockbuster store in in reality. <laughs> of course, it's um, pretty close to the truth, actually. A lot of those I have bought in blockbuster stores. I'm looking at Joel's DVD rack, which reminds me of the old shops that you'd go to to get um, DVDs. And before that, VHS. Yeah. I can remember back in the day there was a bit of a racket from VHS stores that the burglars would. Uh, buy a copy of their database so they could go and steal VHS recorders. Right, right. Yeah, probably in the eighties. Yeah, God, but how elaborate! It's it, they're clever. These criminals are clever. They know all the tricks. I've been watching some movies lately with CIA, and uh, they're just they know how to to interrogate and torture people, and they know how to drop tails off if someone's following them. They've mm. worked all this stuff out. Mm. I think that's quite interesting. Yeah. And then I watched another movie which was about, I think it was like the Cold War and they were talking about interrogation techniques. And mm. when they interview people, they make them sit on their hands so that the sweat goes into the seat cover. And after the interview, they take the seat cover right. and they put it in a jar and that's for the sniffer dogs in case they need to track this person down. Right, right. Clever, right? Yeah, yeah. Little tricks. Little tricks it, of the trade. Yeah, I, I heard that they... Um I think it was Guantanamo where they did this. I think it was a form of torture, actually. But they just put on, like, they'll put a music track on for, like, you know, 24 hours straight, just on re- repeat, and they would uh, keep the lights on. And so, you know, it's more mental um, torture. Oh, and, and the other thing is they keep asking them to say this, what happened over and over again. And if someone's lying, they say the exact same story, right, word for right. word, because huh. they've learnt that story. Yeah. But if they're telling the truth, they can say it a hundred different ways and still get the essence of the story because they're able to relay it naturally instead right, of right. synthesizing a you know regurgitated, memorized script. Sounds like an acting uh, technique or an acting exercise, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a good one. So I, I thought they were very interesting. The one that went behind the scenes the most was where the guy was teaching his students about interrogation techniques and he'd pause the tape and explain what's happening and he'd, and he'd explain how they're saying it, the same thing over and over again mm. means that they've, they've learnt it. Yeah, yeah, right. I guess all the different techniques that they've 
that they've developed over the years, you know, for interrogation. Like there's the old, you know, bamboo shoots and the fingernails. You know, that's what that's yeah, old the water school. torch. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, the waterboarding and yeah, it's um, but I, I, I don't know. I, it's interesting. I watched this doco the other night called Champs about boxers and and about how like Mike Tyson had spent time in jail and some other boxers, and it was interesting that they are were saying how the jail system in America, what a big business it is now, but how it's like you know when they're I guess it's like a form of torture, putting him in the hole, you know, for 23 hours with no sunlight and, you know, no no uh, connection with people. And how the, the the jails now, they say, is less about rehabilitation and just about, you know, people doing time, whereas before there was more programs put into place to help people readjust back into society. Some now outrageous stat, how many prisoners there are in the US compared to other countries. Yeah, yeah, I read and, something and about the that. percentage of them that are certain races yeah there's like two 2.5 million people in america are incarcerated and that what was the what was the statistic that, that and they make up like uh, something like 25 percent of the jails in, in america or 25 percent of the people incarcerated in the world in america yeah so well, but the, yeah i've seen some terrible um yeah i, I just read mike tyson's um autobiography Man, if they, that that is like an unbelievable read. Like that's one, I would say one of the best autobiographies I've ever read. It was incredible, and he was, um, yeah, he goes into a lot of detail about yeah that that situation of you know spent doing time, but also yeah the racial discrimination. That's a major problem, and I hope they sort it out. Well, but it's such a big business though. Now you hear of it. Now they set up a jail in a town, and the town or towns in America are now actually welcome. There used to be a time when they, we don't want oh, the jail. So it's now employment. Yeah, it sends up a set up a whole industry, you know. And it's really, um, yeah, it's just sad to see that you know that 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 it is such a big business for putting people away. There's a lot of TV series around that theme too. Yeah, Orange is the New Black. Yeah, um, yeah. Prison Break. Yes. It was uh, an interesting series. Yeah, I didn't see that. I heard of it. Yeah. Well, Oz? Michael Schofield. It's a little bit like our Michael. Yes. Yeah, a bit of a thinker. Yeah. A similar look. Yeah. Uh, so, and very sensitive and smart. Yeah. So. And, and deep down, a good person. Yeah, deep down. Yeah. Great person. Yeah. So what have you been up to? You, you've been away? Um, yeah, I've been on the road. Well, I've been doing the festivals. Actually, I think the last time I saw you was at the, my show at the uh, Sydney Festival. In the, the little... Yeah, the factory. The matchbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, out of the factory. <laughs> I liked your line about it, um, that your agent said it was going to be the matchbox. Yeah. And you said that it... Uh, I, don't, I, don't think it he, I didn't take him literally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really... Yeah, yeah. It really is a fucking matchbox. Yeah, yeah. An intimate evening. Yeah, it was great. You know, do the festivals, do the do the new new material and the, you know, the new the new show. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was wet that night. Oh, my God. Torrential. And I had a gig to go and do straight after that, too. That was... Um, that was ridiculous. It was a... Uh, uh, yeah, late night. It was like, kind of like a corporate gig, like a private function. And I was drenched by the time I got there. But I was so, I didn't care. Like, I, I, I would usually, you know, I can't, I can't perform like I look like I've just like climbed out of a swamp. And I thought, bugger it. I'll, I guess know. they would expect that anyone getting there would have some challenges. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty lucky that you came. Yeah. 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 They should have been happy I was even turning up. Yeah. But it was, and I'm uh, sure you would remind them that if they 
became ungracious. Yes, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> On stage, uh, I would have. Yeah, that was good. And then after that, I went to Perth and did the run in Perth, and that was that was great fun. Perth crowds are always up for it, and it's good fun. What are the Perth crowds like compared to Melbourne? Uh, I think Perth are more just appreciative that someone's come to Perth. It is a long way. It is a very long it's, way. It's like the equivalent of... LA to New LA York. LA to New York. Yeah. Um, Although it ain't LA and it ain't New York. Without hundreds of millions of people in between. Yeah. It is strange that, that we're essentially the same size as America, but we, yeah, have nothing in the middle. We have yeah. a fraction of the people. Yeah. Which is all right. I wanted to ask you about jokes. Okay. Because you're the, you're the go-to guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you got some jokes? That you I've written know? down some ideas oh, for wow. jokes. Okay. Um, I, firstly... How do you know if someone's already done a joke around, do you Google it? I don't know. Like, you know, there's some great comics that I've seen, like, you know, Seinfeld do a, a Carlin, George Carlin routine, you know, or Billy Connolly do a George Carlin routine. But if I'm sitting there thinking of a joke, yeah. and then I come up with it and, and refine it and then yeah. deliver it, and then someone says, oh, you ripped me off. Yeah, well, then you can't, like, it's first in, first serve. Kind so of should you research it? How do you? I don't know. To, to find out every comedian in the world that's doing every joke. Most is, of it's on Google, probably. Maybe. Like I googled one of the ideas that I had, and there was a few things around it, but not the exact. Yeah. It's like sometimes but, in in business, people come to me with this amazing idea. On uh, like I had this this friend the other day. Uh, there's this new tool out called Periscope, and he thought he had this great idea that people could use it to show when they're doing action adventure stuff, but it's like on the website. They use that as an example, a use case on oh, the website of how to use it, like hot air ballooning. Um, now, did he so know? Like, had he seen this? Obviously not, but, you know, he thought he'd come up with a great way for Periscope to use their thing, but that's it's done. It's done, man. Yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. It, they already know about it. So you could look silly. Yeah. Yeah, there's like premises, like, you know, difference between cats and dogs, which is comedy common now. Right. Or, or, or like, but George Carlin was like the first to put that out there when it was, you know, doing observational humour. So it was like, wow, this is new. Or the difference between black and white people, you know. Richard Pryor, he did all of that. But you see a lot of people like, you know, white people do this, but black people do that. And it's kind of like a stereotypical sort of comedy common, you know, example. But... You know, at one point it was it was original. It was it was you know Richard Pryor's. Do you seek out jokes, or do they just arrive to you um, and then you flesh them out a bit? Yeah, a bit of both. Usually, the easier way is let them arrive to you. But there's the idea, you know, do the work. You know, so you if you could say, okay, I will do one about differences and like, okay, forget dogs and cats, but I'll do the difference between men and women, right? Hey. And, yeah, well, there's an original <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, that probably hasn't been done before. <laughs> and then you then you start brainstorming and yeah, yeah. ideas out. Yeah, so, but, but like this show that I did this year, the one that you came and saw, the um, like a lot of that I'd never done before. I sat down at my desk. Your favourite little uh, work workstation that I have over there, and churned out you know this material where I sat down with pen and paper and workshopped it, and then you know came up, I had a premise and then built it from there. So that was because uh, I felt the pressure that I I got to do it rather than waiting for divine intervention. You know? Do you have any joke seeders like people who feed you ideas for jokes? No, no. Could that work? Do you think? Possibly. 
Like, so I, I have friends that when I've done, I've said something, and then they said, that's funny, you should do that. You know, like Clint's done that. Like, I've been with Clint, and I, I'm just riffing off something, and he's like, that's, that's a joke, you, you should do that, you should do that. And cool. not, not thinking, you know, just talking, not thinking, yeah, I'll do that as a bit. Well, so. like I've noticed uh, a lot of my customers um, come up with gems all the time, like, great questions or observations or yeah. reflections on something I've said yeah. and they're indicating to me that's a, a hot spot. Yeah. So I'll... But that's a, that backs up the old theory, you know, um, that a teacher learns from their students. Right. You know, you know so, 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 so we, 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 how people, you know, they, they pay you a lot of money to come and get your advice and get your insight onto things. But through that process, I'm sure that you're getting a lot out oh, of that in just, terms of... Discover, you're getting all these sets of experiences. Like it's... It's like Facebook or Twitter. The value, I mean, Facebook doesn't create any content, mm. but the value is in the data. Yeah, that the people put in. Yeah, and yeah. like like uh, Uber doesn't own a car. No, but the no. value is in the database. I've been using Uber, and Airbnb doesn't own a yeah a, an accommodation place. Sure, but they're the wealthiest companies in their space yeah. because of the access to data. So yeah, they're um, a middleman. They're a, in a way, they're owning the race course and letting all the racehorses compete on there and taking a, a, a fee. Yeah, to put some billboards in there. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But it's it's a really interesting way to approach it. But I think in the comedy space, I was wondering what what does someone like me do who's not funny who starts saying <laughs> you, you have your moments. <laughs> well, you know, but it, if you see the germ of a joke, do you pass it on to an actual comedian, or do you just keep working away at it? Well, see, with what you do, you get up and you do a lot of public speaking. You can work bits into that, you know, for you. You know, I, I don't see why you wouldn't, you know, want to... Just incorporate Want to incorporate because Because you've got, you got the whole open space there, you know, to, to do that and work that in. And, you know, like the great, um, great theatre director Harold Kluman said, the truth is like castor oil. you get to get them laughing when their mo- mouth is open. You pour a little bit in. Well, I, I mean, some people just aren't receptive to my humour. I was running down the beach the other day to, to meet Walter for a surf. Yeah. And I saw him up in the distance with what looked like his board and a cameraman and a lady with a microphone. And I got closer and it was like a Channel 9 news crew. Right. And um, when I got there, they, they asked if I'd have a word on camera. Well, about Walter? Well, no, they, they asked it to Walter, do you think your mate will go on camera? And he goes, I think he will. And so I get there, and they go, oh, it's, it's Friday, and it's freezing cold. Why would you surf on a Friday, you know, in this freezing cold? And I'm like, it's warmer in the water than out. The only thing I'm wondering is why you're not in the water. Yeah. You know, she goes, oh, I find that hard to believe. And I said, you should try it. And the lady, uh, anyway, when the news came at 6 o'clock, they just used some obscure part. Like, they actually misrepresented what I yeah, said. Yeah, of course. They I said did. that. The hardest part is getting out of the water. And they just said, oh, the hardest part is getting out. And someone looking at that is going to think, what a noob. You can't even paddle yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, yeah. Channel but, 9. But that's, that's the world of, uh, they yeah, are very... of, of you know, TV, reality TV shows, oh, the harsh. news. They just manipulate everything they to, to, for, their own, for their own means. They do. They sensationalize. Yeah. But that's what, you know, any of that crap, you know, it's, it's all, you know, I, 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 I literally felt sorry for them. You, you're standing here 
I didn't say in the this. cold. Yeah. She's standing shivering in a jacket with a microphone down at the beach. Yeah. I'm the one in the warm wetsuit yeah. about to paddle out and catch the rides of my life. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, and I'm thinking, what a shit job. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You could have said that. They'll go know. back to their van. They'll have a donut and a yeah. coffee and, yeah. and take the footage back to the studio. And, and, then, get, and then their footage is manipulated into some... Someone uh, else more important than them is going to decide what to use. Yeah. I just thought the irony of it, the whole thing. Yeah. She's questioning me. Yeah. <laughs> you have the audacity I'm, I'm to question a, you know, me on what I'm doing with my life. Walter and I are the, the select few who, who choose Actually to... Actually see through the scan. And, ...to do a Friday the way we want. Yeah, yeah. But I think that, that's, a, that's an interesting point, though. It's like, you know, how easily people fall into a way of thinking... They can be very judgmental of someone who actually has the right insight, you know, because, you know, you, got, you should be working your ass off on a Friday. You shouldn't be at the beach. You shouldn't, you know, especially in cold weather, you should be indoors in front of your warm computer working away hard to whatever job it is that you, you know. Exactly. And, and only a non-surfer could ask a question like that. Yeah. But I don't surf and I get it. Yeah. Although I have surfed once before, or twice before. Well, put it this way. If she twice. was a surfer, she couldn't ask that question. No. She'd already know the she, answer. Or she'd be in the water. She wouldn't be, yeah. <laughs> she wouldn't be standing with a microphone in, in the cold. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another thing. Are those guys who sit in the water with their microphones, that they, they should, should question that one? Yes, especially when there's sharks around. <laughs> they're, they're always around. That's the thing. Yeah. But it's rare that you'll see them on camera. Yes, like yesterday. Like well, yesterday. Yeah. That was... That was, that was um, it was really mind blowing to watch that unfold live. Yes. Well, I saw the I saw the aftermath of it when you. Showed yeah. It to so me. the the guy li- sitting in the lineup and the final of a world surfing league competition mm. it starts getting attacked. But by that, you know, like I've had time to process this all all night and uh, this morning, and it really just sort of had a nibble on his leg rope and curiously sort of. Bumped his board. He didn't chomp yeah, any yeah, part of his yeah, body yeah, or, kill him. Or, or disintegrate the board. Sure, it's not sure. like it came roaring like, like it's a jaws, jaws like yeah. you know bloodbath. In this case, and mm. I'm sure that's happened. In this case, it was just having a bit of a thrash Sussing around. Out. Just curious, probably. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but there's so few examples and so little data. It'd be pretty hard to make any conclusion. Like, what if there was ten sharks and they all had different personalities, like a human? Sure. Was sure. he a curious one? Was he an aggressive one? Yeah, he was just coming over to say hi, and yeah, suddenly everyone's freaking out. Technically, he didn't really do anything harmful, yeah. except scare everyone's you know sense of fear. Sure, and also too, I think a lot of people like I never understand you know when someone gets attacked by a shark and everyone let's go kill the shark. It's like hang on, you're in its neighbourhood, you like, know. Yeah, it's, it's not like the you know. Unfortunately, that's that. That's what like movies like Jaws have instilled a very strong fear, and and I think about like yesterday I was surfing with about fifty other people, which is about forty eight too many where I was surfing. Yeah, it's very <laughs> a lot crowded. Of dro- lot of drop ins. Well, even in a, winter, a, but... like just getting on the wave when there's that many people is hard because yeah. it's, on every wave that comes, like five people going for it. If you're not in the right spot, everyone else has to drop off. Mm. And secondly, you manage to get up on the wave, and now you've got this minefield of bodies to weave through without taking yeah. anyone out. Yeah, so yeah. I decided not to do uh, the fairy bower on the weekend anymore. Yeah. Still, it's better to have all those people and all the more people 
spotting. Yes, significantly. <laughs> More of a chance of someone else getting eaten. I was know. out there. I was out there two days before. Yeah. With just Walter and I, and there was one other guy, and. Then these two swimmers come out from Manly. They're swimming right around outside us and out to the ocean and back. I'm thinking, what are they thinking? Yeah. So for someone on the beach looking at me thinking, what's he thinking? Yeah, you're thinking, thinking, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? So <laughs> I guess you've got to pick your level, level of I, I wonder. I wonder if that person thinks, look, it's a Friday. We're swimming. Look at this guy on the board. Who needs a board? You want to be really connected to the ocean. You just flash in the ocean, and that's what the real connection is. Can you believe that people would actually put on a wetsuit and swim? On, oh, I saw guys in sluggos yesterday, and it's winter, like just 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 out in the surf in sluggos. Yeah, that, What's that's a slugger. You know, speedos. Oh, speedos. Like undies. Yes, yes. Um, budgie and, smugglers. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, it is cold, but I think if you think about how many surfing competitions there's been and how many people are down at the beach, it's a very very isolated situation. Yeah, and it's pretty pretty good odds. It's good odds. Know? Like yeah, you compare you... them to cancer or lung disease mm. takes out some phenomenal like sixteen thousand people a year in Australia. Car accidents, thousands of people a year. Mm-hmm. Lightning, bee yeah. stings, mm. refrigerators or vending machines falling on people. Yeah, kills more people. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, black furniture. What, what a way to go. Oh, that'd suck. That would suck. Just, what happened? What happened to Uncle? You're trying Tom? to shake the machine for that little um, uh. that. Tim Tam or Kit Kat or can of Coke <laughs> and it topples on. <laughs> yeah. Remember in The Simpsons um, when um, Homer's trying to get the can out and it falls on top of him and he's under the vending machine. They can't get him out from under the vending machine. And right at the end, exasperated, the guy goes, have you tried letting go of the can? And he's like, your point being? <laughs> <laughs> when I was going to Perth, I watched a docker, I thought of you. On There was a docker on... Um, Eddie Aikau, the big wave surfer from Hawaii. Yep. It was fascinating. Yes. Yeah, it's just incredible to see, not, not only this guy representing Hawaiians, but, you know, to see what, you know, he achieved was, was huge. But the, uh, I, I felt sorry for the, for the, it went into the kind of history of how Hawaii was colonized by the Americans. And like any place that's colonized, you do feel sorry for the natives and how they had a big, you know, big wave surfing competition, yet no Hawaiians were, in the competition or invited to compete in it and he was the first guy to come through and actually you know shake things up and and win the respect of every everybody too but even way before that when they when they got colonized um early on by westerners the westerners brought all the diseases and wiped out most of the population like, yeah then, they, then religious yes. nuts banned surfing yeah they said, yeah that's illegal. right yeah like it's the same organisation that said the world was flat and yeah. kill you if you said it was <laughs> and, round. And, and the Earth is at the centre of the universe. There's, there's some serious flaws in this, in this, in, yeah. in some of those religious organisations. But uh, the, the yeah, they got wiped out basically, and it's it's really not dissimilar to Australia, where no. or, or Native Americans. Yeah, the in, Indigenous Australians been around for like forty thousand years. Yeah, oldest civilization. Yeah, oldest we just culture. we lob along and and. Um, the English discover Australia yeah, you know, yeah. a couple of hundred years ago. <laughs> the English with their disease, and, alcohol and bad yeah, teeth. And then start mining uh, the land and, and tell them they can't have it. Yeah. It seems very harsh. It does. It does. And, that, to, and to see that too, like when I've been on tour in the past in places like, you know, Kalgoorlie or, or, or Port Lincoln, that was one of the worst, or Karratha, and you just see these massive mining 
they're like cities. They just overtake this area and there's truck, like big, big trucks with a long train. It's like Avatar. It is, like- it is. And, and you see these choppers coming in and it's just massive industry, just these massive, you know, machines just churning up the earth. And then you see the, and, you know, a, an Australian Aborigine walking along just in a daze, just walking along the side of the street yeah, with, the, with, with this truck screaming past and the dirt flying up. And you're thinking, hang on, something is severely wrong here. You know, then the local mall, the, you know, Aboriginals trying to get into the, and they're stopping them saying, no, you're too intoxicated. You can't come in. You, and you think, man, this is, you know. And apparently, that like there's still a lot of problems like that in other countries as well. Sure, it's like big sure. time. But there should be. I, I think there should be more of an obligation if they're making these billions of dollars out of the land. There should be some kind of obligation for them to give back to the local community, and and it doesn't necessarily have to be just throwing money away. In some way, using that. I think ed- using those funds. education and uh, I mean, it's still they're just indoctrinating them into in, the into modern, our yeah our so called. They should like be more respectful. I don't know the solution, but... No, but there should be more money spent in finding out the solution, I think, rather than just throwing money and saying, yeah, just here's a house, here's a car, do what we do. I saw something on the news yesterday about the there was a protest in Southern Carolina or somewhere. There was the Ku Klux Klan on one side of that and the Black Panthers on the other. <laughs> and it showed the stats. There was uh, in the, like in the, the 20s or 30s, there was... 150 or 200,000 Ku Klux Klans, and then it shows the infographic down to now. There's roughly 4,000 yeah. across the entire of America. In but it's so stupid. Like, like people have that's like, ridiculous. Yeah, it is, and it's like people like the Nazi Party is still going. Yeah, like you, you figure it's been done. Like, you, you, yeah, it's been done, and you, you have the privilege now of hindsight. To be able to look back in history and to see how wrong the situation was. But what you so, just said there—that's that's, that's um, something that most people would never do—is look back in history well, because um, <laughs> most things repeat themselves. Unfortunately, and even especially in business, there's historical cycles that repeat themselves and repeat themselves. And uh, the, the great leaders and great generals, etc., they always study the previous wars. Sure, they know the terrain, like General yeah. Patton did. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I, it's so true, that example of studying the wars, but I never understand people that, you, know, you look at the situation now with Russia and America, and I'm just thinking, don't try anything to invade Russia, don't, look at the history, like, there has been, not, not that that's on the, on the table at the moment anyway, but I'm just looking at the tension between them and thinking, in the past it's never worked out, you look at the Mongols when they tried to invade, that didn't work out, Napoleon, his unconquerable army, that didn't work out, Hitler... Yep. No, I thought Hitler would have learned from so the past. Hitler that didn't... thought he thought he had it, but no, yeah. well, the winter, pretty the winter, hearty. You know, yeah, yeah you, you just don't. First of all, the land's too big. Secondly, the weather is too harsh. When it comes to winter, you, you, nothing's happening. You ain't getting anywhere. And you know, I, I I look at this situation now and think, oh, you know, America, don't don't push it. Yes, it's it's a tough one. So, Although it is different now. Now there's a you know atomic warfare, so it's uh, a little uh, you know and drones, so you're not actually having to worry about the uh, you know the, the actual physical you know soldiers or humans being put onto the the front line. So if if I were to talk about the the ideas that I had for my jokes, oh yeah, okay. Would you yeah? Would you um, toss them around a bit see if they're workable? Yeah, sure. Okay. But but it's hard to know. You know, here's the thing. I've I've sat down like with Arj and Akmal and we've talked about 
you know, jokes and stuff, and I and I've said stuff, and it's like oh, I don't know if that'll work. You got to do it on stage. That's the that's yeah. You get an inkling beforehand, but you really on stages where they the audience will tell you yay or nay. So it's it's very similar to marketing where you can theorize offers and stuff, but we we have a saying that the audience will vote. The audience will decide with their wallet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure. they'll, they'll either take it or not. Sure. But then you've got this. Dilemma: Do you do you become commercially biased or just creative? And maybe you're a comedy genius, but people just don't recognise that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I so, uh, fucking, it's funny to me, so I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And also, too, it's, it's, it can be so comedy is so fragile. So it's just the wording, just tweaking that word, taking that one word out there and putting it there, or just changing that line around. That will make all the difference. You know, I've had jokes where I'm like, I, I believe in this, but it ain't, it ain't landing it. And I've tweaked it and tweaked it and rearranged things and then bam, then it's worked. Whereas on other times I've had jokes that I've just been like, whatever, throw it out there and then it works. I'm like, oh, I didn't even really give that any much thought or. Well, I guess I, I just do little mini tests. I just sort of try them out on new people and see yeah. if I get a reaction. Yeah. But very, very rarely does it result in guffaws of life. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, you know, I don't know, if you were to do a joke um, to your friends, like, like Woody Allen says that you he never tried out jokes on his friends. He'd always do it on a Saturday night when it's packed, when it's got the best possible chance of surviving because he said, I'm already feeling... Um, I have trepidations about it in the first place and insecure about whether it's going to work or not. So if I tell a friend and they give a half, yeah, oh yeah, then he says I've lost all faith in it and I'm not going to be able to deliver it properly. But he seems he has that paranoid shtick. I mean, I, I can't, I can't deliver it. I mean, I, I thought it was funny. Yeah, that was my, that was my Woody Allen. That was, that was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got one? Come on. Um, no, I haven't really watched enough of his movies, oh, okay. but he does so many, one a year. Yeah, he does. So, and that's what I admire that about him, you know. He's a machine, that guy. And, and he's in his 80s and he's still pumping out one film a year. And but, uh, I love it when people write someone off and they go, oh, you know, they're done. And then they just come back with some genius piece of uh, piece of film and everyone's like, oh, look. Like oh. John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. Remember before that, look who's talking. Well, Harrison and, Ford's done pretty good. Yeah, Harrison Ford. Um, yeah, there's numerous. You know, people that are down and out that once had it, that get, get you know, get kicked when they're down. They're like, oh, I'll come back. Don't worry about that. That's why I'm waiting for Rafael Nadal to come back and <laughs> and, and, and re- reclaim his, his top four position in, in, in the tennis world. So well, people yeah, write him off, and I'm looking at him thinking, "Ah, oh, this guy. I think he's. I think he's still got." It's kind of like Kelly Slater was um, in the the quarterfinals. Semi, sorry, the semifinals of this um, surfing tour. Again, he's 11 time world champion, the oldest guy on tour. He's 43. Wow! And he's in a heat with the youngest world champion, um, Gabriel Medina. So the oldest. How old too? He's like 21 or something, right. probably. Uh, and. So two world champions at each end of the spectrum. That's great. Guy, the guy is a phenom. That's great. Yeah, it's a, it takes a lot of work though, because I imagine as he gets older, you know, it's a not not only just the pressure to live up to what you what you've been, but but you've got to have a strong desire to do that. Like he's, he's probably he's, the most competitive person you'd ever meet. Right. Okay. Yeah, because he's got to he have a, that. He's he, got some fight. He gets so amped up. He just like. You can see it. It doesn't. If he gets a bad score, he'll splash the water. If he has a good score, he'll he'll express it. He's very yeah, yeah. very dialed in. Right. 
Yeah, you've got to have that, I think, in order to, especially at his age, to be able to accomplish that. I saw this um, interview after reading the Mike Tyson book, and they, which, once again, highly recommend. Because he is, I, I did a um, What's gig it called, um, Tyson, <laughs> The Undisputed Truth. Uh-huh. He is one of the most honest people that you'll ever, ever hear from. Like, he is brutally honest, like, about from people in his life to him in his own life and the amount of work that he's done on his himself. I've heard anecdotal stories about him, how he operates when he comes to Australia for events and things. Oh, yeah, go on. Like, um, he will, they'll want him to sign caps or whatever for to sell his merch. Right. But he'll basically they have to deliver cash to his room before he'll sign a thing. He yeah. won't even go downstairs yeah. until they put the cash in pay up front. Yeah. <laughs> in a suitcase. Yes, yeah, like basically you have to bring it up and they'll check the cash, then he'll go down. But yeah, yeah, forget yeah. it. Well, uh, Nothing under, on credit. If you read the book, you'll realize why he does that. I'm he, sure he's been ripped oh, off times. And he, you know, he went bankrupt and he had, he had earned himself over 400 million. <laughs> and uh, but he was like, Don King was just roaring. 50 Cent him. just went bankrupt. Are you serious? Apparently. Really? Wow. Well, and I, after reading Tyson's book, though, I can understand how you can blow $400 million, you know? It is <laughs> mental. Like, his life was just... The, the great thing, and I think you'd, you'd appreciate it, you know, us coming from a similar generation, that all that through the 80s, and it just encapsulates the 80s, and then when he hit it big and just when he became the world champ and just was, had all his money thrown at him, and he came out of Brownsville, out of the ghetto, you know, out of Brooklyn. So here's this kid who suddenly got all of this money, and he just and his trainer Gus D'Amato, that he that who basically instilled all of these great ideals of uh, fighting and the, the warriors way. You know, he um, he he had passed away, so he never really had any more guidance. His his um, parents weren't weren't around. You know, he had a horrible upbringing, and so you know, he's he's this young guy, the champ. He's worth millions. So he was like the first guy to be like, uh, you know, when the, the idea of bling, you know, just buying like a, a Lamborghini for every day of the week and having, you know, mint coats. And he was like the first guy to do that. Right. So he influenced, you know, all the rappers that later came. And he was just blowing money left, right and center. It was nuts. Like the buying tigers and <laughs> <laughs> these massive mansions that he had. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. But he never really put a lot of value on money though. He said, you know, he put value on, you know, your accomplishments and, and, and now he puts value on who you are as a person, you know. And it's interesting, he said that when he was when he was younger, how he was, to, to fight, you got to go to the dark place. And he said he doesn't want that in his life anymore. He's got to find the light and that's where he goes to now. Well, that's, that is the whole, the history of fighting seems a bit harsh. Wasn't it really just like slaves beating each other up for sport, for rich White men? Um, well, in terms, yeah, that backs up the idea of it's always the great fighters came from poverty or came from a harsh environment. Because I, yeah. I don't really get it. I don't, I don't get, but I mean, I don't really get football either. At least. Yeah, Buffy yeah. boys bruising and cutting and hugging each other. It seems a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. not a sport I get into. Yeah. No, I, I used to watch it when I was younger. You know, when, actually, when Tyson was fighting, that's when I used to, and Ali, you know, watching old tapes of Ali, I used to watch that and be very, like, enamored by, wow, look at these guys. They're, you know, at such a peak performance level, yet they're, 
the amount of work that you have to go through in order to get to that level. That's something that I, I'm fascinated by because it's a very uh, so many sacrifices. I you get that, make. but to 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 pummel beat each other, the shit out yeah. of another human. Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah, yeah, I I, I hear. It doesn't make but, sense. But it's me. something that's always been around, you know. From doesn't from make the, it right. Gladiator. No, it doesn't. <laughs> It does. From the gladiator, but, it is. But, it's a modern day gladiator. It is, it is essentially. It, it is essentially. I mean, it's but, not that far from a Hunger Games, really. It's like yeah. let's put a couple of people in the ring, and or or Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. You know, yeah, yeah, two yeah. men in, one man out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite possible someone's going to get knocked out or, yeah, or killed. Killed, sure. And I don't. I just don't understand it. Sure. Yeah, it is. Um, it is very brutal, but it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't understand the fighting today. I watched that match between um, Manny Pacquiao and, and Floyd uh, Mayweather. Floyd's, Floyd's not very enamoring with his demeanour, is he? Well, he, he, his way of fighting, yeah, sure, he's the champ, but his way of fighting is very boring to watch. It's just, it's like, uh, Dancing. It's like boxing by numbers. You know, it's like, all right, I'll win these points by holding back. And it's like... That's whereas, like the Tim Ferriss method of winning. It's to find a, a technical loophole and and win. But, but there's, no, there's no spirit in it. No, there's no heart in it. No. So I, I guess my thing is I, I admire when I the, the spirit and the heart of these guys. Like, you know, watching someone like Tyson or, or Muhammad Ali and, and seeing what they go through, not only in the ring but out of the ring too. You know, like they were both very vilified by you know, the by the media and by society, and they came out of it, you know, decent guys. Okay, and, and what they were up against, you know, someone like Tyson, from where he came from growing up in that environment, he would have either one ended up in, in, incarcerated, which he was, or two ended up, you know, you know <laughs> six feet under. The, the, all of the guys that he grew up with ended up. I suppose people relate to the, you know, the, the journey of the hero and, Oh, like, journey. like I can understand Manny Pacquiao is very popular in his homeland because he he's representative of of people rising through and being coming successful. out of the gutter. So yeah. they, they, it's an inspirational story mm. for everyone following along. Yeah, much like um, the Brazilian soccer players are for for or, or um, Ayrton Senna was for yeah, Brazil. Yeah, he yeah, was, you know they revered him because mm-hmm. he he could show on a world stage a, a journey of um, success. Mm. And, you know, the world champion surfer is a Brazilian. Yeah. They call them Brazilian Storm. They're not that popular, though. They have like, this wide stance and they stick their butt out. It's like a poo stance, they call it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sort of ugly surfing. Yeah. But they've, they've got a lot of acrobatics and they're good in the small stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's... It's interesting, but you know, you don't have to beat someone up to. Yeah, well, no, you, to, to, to be accomplish the that. No, no, you don't. You don't. But there is, uh, yeah, there is. Uh, I, I guess it is a morbid, uh, a morbid fascination with with watching that. I did a thing the other week with um with Danny Green, the the boxer, and it was a, a corporate thing that I was hosting, and I was just chatting with him, and um and I just finished reading the Tyson books. I was talking to him about that. And, and he was saying the surprising thing is how articulate and insightful Tyson is when, you, like, the times that he's met him and when he's had conversations, he's always had something insightful and, you know, left him with something to, wow, and that was really, you know, a meaningful conversation I just had. And it's interesting, you know, like Tyson says now, he doesn't want to hurt people anymore. He does, it's not him now, you know, and he's done a lot of work on himself and a lot of growing to realise, you know, the mistakes he made in his life in the past and, it, there's a thing where he was talking to these boxers and 
afterwards, they, one of the person commented, you, ne- you didn't t- talk to him anything about fighting. You didn't tell him that everything you spoke about was life, how to live as a person. And he feels that that's what he has more strength in now in communicating than what it is to hurt someone, you know, how, what it is to live. And I thought, you know, I, I admire that, that he's got, got through it all and he's come out the other end and realised, you know, to him what is important. I've got an autograph from Mike Tyson. You do? Yeah. Really? Yep. What, what is it? What is the autograph? Um, a picture of himself. Did you see him talk? No. No, okay. Where did you get this picture? From uh, a customer of mine, Jeff Fennick. Ah, Je- Jeff Fennick used to train him. Used to be best buddies with him. Yeah. And got an autograph for me as a, as a gift. He, for, spe- he speaks highly of Jeff Fennick. For looking after Jeff and his, for his um, car. Right, right. And how was Jeff? He was... A, a nice guy. Yeah. He had a, a little bit of a hassle with, um, he called me shortly after picking up his car. He's uh, MJ, he's, uh, it's, it's beeping at me and it smells and it's, it's not going well. And oh, Jeff, no. Jeff left, let the handbrake off. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, he let the handbrake off. He's, oh, yeah, it's all good now. <laughs> so it, um, <laughs> it's one of those foot brake ones. It's not obvious, but it's easy to leave on. Right? Is that the one on the on the left hand side? You push, push it down, down with your foot. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you had to. Re- so yeah, it never Probably released. he was yeah. used to having a normal handbrake. Sure. sure. So it's a foot brake. Yeah. And it was beeping at him and, oh, um, and grinding the, the yeah. pads. Well, not the brakes. So I think they they somehow grabbed the drive shaft. So oh. it's um it's not going to go that well. Yeah. Went on. No. <laughs> <laughs> But a nice guy, yeah. actually, really nice guy. Yeah, went yeah. to his house and yeah. Where does he live? Not far from here. Just, okay, it's just your neighbour. Right, we should pop around. We should, Jeff. How are you, man? Yeah, long time no see. How, 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 how's the ride going? Well, my funny friend here has an interest in one of your buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Did they have a falling out though? I recall there was a bit of a falling um, out. Um. Well, he he. I'm not sure. Tyson doesn't go into it, but he, he Tyson spoke spoke well of him. Right, you know, he um, perhaps there was a falling out. I'm not sure, but I know that he no longer was his trainer. He was for a while, and then no longer. But I remember Jeff Fennick when, yeah, seeing he was, you know, he was in his prime when I was a kid. I remember watching him, yeah, watching his match. The Marrickville Mauler. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a nickname you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember he was going to court up here in Balmain for having punched out a fruiter. Apparently got into an altercation. With her. <laughs> I wonder, oh, what, how, like, you know, of all the businesses, you know, that of all the people that you could get in a fight with, someone that sells fruit, like, well, what happened there, you know? Well, <laughs> well, how how bad can it get when trying to purchase a couple of bananas or, you know, a few apples? Can it but get that lead to a punch on? people antagonise famous people. It's like that Tom yeah. Cruise... One, the guy that squirted Tom Cruise. I know, I know. And trying people, to be a smart ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was unfair. Totally. I, 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 I totally agree with that. I think that, you know, a lot of people... They that, want their they, five, they, they want to leech it. And they feel a sense of entitlement too, you know. It's like, but then on. there are other, then there's genuine things like, like uh, Russell Crowe was in trouble for throwing a phone at Yeah, that, that, I, I lost... Um, respect for him when and I think he's a great actor and I think he does great work but when I saw that it's like anyone that tries to take down someone that has a in society is deemed as a lower status 
you know, so the people that people that get upset with waiters, I really uh, oh, that's I, outrageous. I, yeah, I, I, I've I've had coffee with friends of friends or partners of friends, and they've berated the service staff. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, and it really makes you question them as a person. It did, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it was a good indicator, as it turned out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Was a good ordered, sign. Oh, he ordered a website, never paid for it. Oh, right. He's just a just a cheating. Mm. nasty person mm. and always had that side to him right, right. So there you go it's a, it is a good indicator how people treat other people yeah yeah especially like that like someone that's working behind a desk in a hotel you know to start like throwing phones and you know it's like, hang on you know well he's right. full of himself from my personal experiences well, you, you you have you have um, my had personal experience with him yeah. he was a total knob yeah and just, just badly behaved and full of himself. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's a shame. Because he's he he does such good work, so it's like good actor. So, yeah. But uh, quite often, when you're really good at something, it leaves you short somewhere else. And but I think that it's easy to believe your own bullshit. Yeah. Like he actually, he actually said, "I'm I am a gladiator." <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm like, so, well, right. your chariot awaits, sir. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. you know, we should give him a car because he's the he's a gladiator. Yeah. So I give him a Merc. Yeah, that's, oh, that was right. his reasoning. Yeah, okay. Um, so there is a difference between, uh, you know. No, I should give you a Merc because you should give me a, a check for roughly the same amount yeah. as the Merc. It would be a yeah. better transaction right. for everyone. Well, Christian Bale, he once played Jesus. He could come in, I am the son of God. Well, I think he's had some run-ins with the media. Christian Bale, yeah. Was he the, was he the Batman Bale? Yeah. Yeah, he, oh, he the, had a bit of a problem with some... Oh, that was on the film set where he, he went nuts at the um, the lighting guy for walking in his side of line. Well, how about Jeremy Clark? Jeremy Clarkson. Got got fired from yeah, Top Gear. Yeah, I heard about it. So I, I, I he didn't was really... screaming at someone in the staff over food. Yeah, yeah. That's, having that's, attention. That's stupid. You know, so there's plenty of examples. But, of... but the, so the thing is, though, with Christian Bale, not that it... Um, you know, not that it um, turns a blind eye to what he did, but in that situation afterwards, I saw an interview with um, Ron Howard, and Ron Howard's a lovely guy, like, and an amazing um, filmographer. Yeah, and he um, he was talking about his daughter was in the, in that film, the, the Terminator film that Christian Bale was on at the time, and she explained to him that night what had happened, and. He listened to it. All right. So in the interview, they they were talking to him. What was your reaction to that? He says, "Well, what you got to understand is, when you do on a film set like this, and you're in character, there's a lot. You are in. You are amped. You're in a certain mindset there as a as the character. So there's a lot of emotions going through. Switch on. Switch on. Yeah. So and he said, if you're and in the scene that he was doing was very emotionally charged. So it took him a lot to get into that scene. Now. He said the guy was walking through his side of line, looking at lights, sussing them out. And he said, I've worked with this lighting guy before, and he said he's very good and very professional, but he should have known better not to have gone walking around in the actor's sign of light of sign of line of sight. Line of sight. Line of light. And, 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 and he should have known better not to do that. He said, not that it justifies Christian's reaction, which was, you know, which was full on, but you can understand why he did that. I can understand and, if someone's in character. That makes yeah. sense. So, he, and he was, he was in the middle of the scene and he saw this and just went, and just flipped and went nuts. And he later apologized and said, you know, it was unacceptable what I did. I shouldn't, you know, should, I, you don't talk to people like that, obviously, but, you know, 
that was the reasoning behind why, you know, why he did that. So well, after I saw all that and heard all that, I thought, all right, understandable, you know, that, that, that was the reaction, you know. But everyday normal people in a hotel service and all that, that's No, different. that's just stupid. That's like, just relax, get a grip, you know. It's like, really? You, you, what, you can't get a connection on the phone, so you're going to throw it at someone's head? So just relax. It's not that big of a deal. And it's obviously something else is going on in someone's life that's, you know, creating that kind of response. But still, I think I think you you just got to have a bit more empathy for for others, and a little, little bit of compassion doesn't go go so astray. What's your next gig? What's your next move? Well, I'm working on um, working on this one man show, the um, Street Life. So this is the one that you did a few shows before. No, no, I've never oh. done this one. So that's not the not the. Oh, the Venice Beach one. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, you've seen the um the the prelude. The, or yeah, prelude? yeah. The the kind of um the inspiration for this show. Yeah. Because I do that whole performance piece on Venice Beach and yeah. uh, different characters and different. So yeah, this is like a whole. show. I like that it. because it's, uh, I mean, it takes you there without having to go there. Yeah, <laughs> without all the all yeah. the all the crap of passports and flights and jet lag and. Yeah, like but but you you. You really move the audience it, like they're nowhere else. They're drawn in with the sound effects and everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the people's response has been very, uh, very positive to that. So I thought, yeah, why not turn it into a whole show and and play all these different characters and people that I knew on the Venice Beach boardwalk. So it's like a day in the life. Would the, you ever go back there and just just? See what's happening there now. Sure, like, tune back into. Yeah, the zone. well, I was there last year. Had a look. You know, I did one of the postcards there, but um, I didn't. I didn't spend enough time there. Like I was only there. Do you think you'd ever perform there again? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I doubt it. You know, I, I've done my time there. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, it was great when when I was there. Great when I did it. But I got an idea for um, you know, last year when I did that show with Jamon and afterwards. Uh, yeah, we were talking about it. I was saying, it'd be great to do like a talk show. There's no good talk show. Yeah. Thought, but then I thought, ah, so much, the, you know, that goes into doing a talk show, like getting a studio and getting, and, and that's kind of been done, you know, anyway. Although no one's doing it at the moment. I love that. I love a good talk show. But um, I thought, you know, I should do something, just do something online. And then I thought, well, you know, when we've done it before and like, and when I catch up with friends, you know, like with, with Akmal or Arj or Carl, or whoever, and we, we tend to go for long walks and just chat. And I thought, rather than a talk show, I want to do a walk show. Yeah. You know? And, and the title for it, instead of walk it off, talk it off. Yeah. And that's the show. We meet up in a cafe, go for a walk, and talk, and, you know, shoot the shit. Well, when guys like Seinfeld are doing that. Comedians in cars getting coffee, yeah. And it's, it's great, you know. It makes sense to have a, a podcast. Yeah, yeah. So and that's what, and but the show is um but it's not a podcast it's actually filmed so yeah. you you see it all and it's uh you know and it's yeah just going for a walk and so when does when does it launch when does it launch good question um well soon I was in a, I was uh, in a um, a list the other day and um talking with um talking with Artie and he was saying you know let's do this let's let's do it so uh, on the weekend I was writing a few synopsis ideas for for um. To, uh, you know who I'd want to interview, where we'd want to go, some questions and things we'd want to riff about. So, yeah, soon. Nice. Gonna get, gonna I, get working I, on it. I think that's um, one of the most enjoyable things that I do is interview people who I'm interested to talk to. Yeah. My, 
other podcast. Yeah, not this one. <laughs> no, not this one. <laughs> this, this isn't just, you know, throwing shit at a wall and saying no, what I sticks. Mean, the dif- dif- differentiation here is I wouldn't consider this an interview. No. <laughs> um, this is... <laughs> this is well, I, I'm, we're, we're still yet uh, to figure out what this actually okay, is. dangerously close to a set-up reveal then. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, this show is really, thankfully, about nothing in particular, which yeah. is good because... Um, it, it's organic. Like if you were to do this new show, yeah, we could be doing behind the scenes, uh, asking, you know, what have you learnt from it? Yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. Challenges. Sure. Yes. What's up get, next? Yes, yes. So it's, we've got a lot of things to talk about there. If you actually go on and do it, <laughs> you might, might do it. Yeah. Um, if you don't, then we're obviously then, we, then we're just sh- sh- we're back sh- to again. discussing about furniture and <laughs> DVDs and, and small small tables. So that's good. And then I've also got a few things planned. At, at some point that hopefully will give us things to talk about as well. Like what? Nothing in particular. Nothing in particular. I could see that it was like a lead and then to me thinking, wow, this is going to be really insightful. He's real, oh, I want to know what's on the horizon. Eh, nothing, nothing much. Well, no, I think at some point I'd like to publish a book. Yeah. And also I've got my event coming up in in six months. or seven months. only six months? Well, actually, maybe nine months. Nine months. Do I hear eight? Do you know what's going to be sad? Or do you ever get? Do you ever look at time sometimes and go, oh, like does time ever sort of come up beside you and he got the side of the head and you think, was that was that two years ago? Man. No, I think no? I think I view time differently to some people. Yeah, where like I've still got it in my mind that I can invent time travel. That sounds pretty weird, right? You know, but, you know what? I was, you know, my mate Andy, the opera singer. Right. We were having a chat the other day, just on this topic, uh, about a time machine, and well, you know, if you could make a time machine and and go back in time or go forward in time or whatever, you, you know. And we'll say, yeah, but everything we do kind of fucks up and falls apart. So imagine like you invented a time machine, you got in there, but it just aged you and you came out. And you were like, no, you know, like 80. Yeah. And you're like, what have I done? I didn't get to see anything. I didn't go anywhere. And now I'm just this old, decrepit man who hasn't got much time left to live. And it's, yeah, it's just people are like, what, what have you done to you? What have you been doing? You've lived a hard life. Well, I think there's got to be ways to think about time that are, that are unconventional. Where, where, you know, like I already think about money in a different way than some people. Um, I, I think that... You, like you think about sometimes we want things to speed up like mm-hmm. uh, before Christmas there's like this countdown for Christmas so we're actually wanting time to come faster and then other times we want it to go really slow like we've got homework due or something we're like yeah. Fuck, I need more time yeah, yeah, slow yes, down. Yeah. so I, I think of it more in sort of cycles of setting up recurring triggers Think of time like this line coming down towards us constantly like a conveyor belt mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think in the future of putting things on the conveyor belt that I'm looking forward to by the time it gets to me. Right, right. So, for example, every day I'm going to have a surf coming down the conveyor belt. So mm-hmm. I've set up my lifestyle to be able to surf every day. Mm-hmm. So I go near the beach. I have my annual event but straight after I just rebook it. So I've always got a new annual event. It's always something on the horizon. But it's always something on the horizon, but it does get there. That's the difference between the horizon. But that horizon has a has a, like a, a time. Uh, you, you, no, you, we no? never reach the horizon. And Dan Sullivan calls that the gap. That's why a lot of people are unsatisfied because they've set goals in the future, but they never actually get there. 
Right. There's all, they're always focusing on the carrot and the stick, mm-hmm. but the donkey just can't eat the carrot because yeah. it's mm-hmm. always a stick away. Yeah. So um, the, the way to remedy that is to have gratitude for things that we're enjoying today. Right. So you shift your consciousness of time to right now, mm. like this minute. So mm. that's more of a Teo thing. Well, to let go. Yes. And very, very Buddhist. That, uh, and also mastery. One of the things that can destroy mastery is always obsessing about future goals. And not focusing on what's at hand. Sure, because, well, because and those, everything that is going to come about is from what's at hand. Right. So I've got this duality where I'm trying to think about what's going to come down the conveyor belt, but my focus is on the right now part yes. of the conveyor belt. Yeah. But the things that are right now on the conveyor belt are the ones that I wanted to be there. Right. So I want to speak to you, so I'm here now. Mm-hmm. I want to go for a surf. I know that's going to come down the conveyor belt soon and, and in a few hours from now, my right now will be sitting on a, a board catching a wave. Mm-hmm. So I'm engineering better future nows at the same time while as being enjoying while I've got it. That's, no, the, that's, that's the, the tricky part. Yeah. And then there's the retro stuff. It's, keeping, it's editing my memories to keep the ones I want mm. and to let go of baggage. Sure. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big thing, carrying, carrying the baggage. Look, you can remember the birth of a child, but you let go of the arsehole boss who screamed at you. Yeah. Like, I think you can, you can actually edit your past. Sure, sure. You can uh, curate, to some extent, your future set of nows. Yeah. What's yeah. going to come down? You, you have a, a determination. Like, my grandfather used to say, everything's written in a big book, as if you can't really control what's coming, but... Right, so you have a destiny that you everything's have for a reason. Right, uh, but I think that but your grandfather though did a lot. He was he was a cool dude. Like he, you know, he's got all his collection of books on where he's travelled and what where he. Well, that was my great grandfather. Oh, that was your great grandfather. Yeah, it's a different dude. Oh, okay. But the the, I think we can challenge all of our assumptions. If we're not enjoying the right nows, which a lot of people aren't, that's why they disappear into, you know, movies, TVs, alcohol, drugs, uh, Facebook, games. They're switching out of the now because they don't like it. Yeah. I'm saying you can have a better time if you engineer better future nows. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. It's kind of like the problem. It's really kind of like a conveyor belt approach to to time. Yeah. That way, we're not hoping that it speeds up because what we have right now is already good. Because sure, we already sure. we already made it good. Sure. And but but and but also too, it's you're not getting complacent in what you have now. You're still you're still moving. To, see, I, that's what I always. We still have hope to move forward. We're still yeah. looking forward to tomorrow, so yeah. we, don't, we don't have to slit our wrists because life's past its prime. You know. Yeah. What if it's as good as it gets? Yeah. Because there's still nice things coming down there, but we're, we're not so obsessed about it that we forget what we have right now. Sure. So it's so this constant... It's the best of both worlds. It is the best of both worlds. <laughs> you know, I'm a pragmatist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it is interesting how, and I, I, I know it sounds so cliche, but being in the moment is very rewarding. That, that idea of just being present, listening, absorbing what's around you, how that suddenly your worries go away and it's so simple but so Just effective. Letting go. Yeah. And you can let go because you already know that, that the conveyor belt's taking care of the future. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh 
It's a good good philosophy. It's just a, it's a starting point. It's, yeah. it's, 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 none of that is any of my joke constructs either, by the way. No, no, don't worry. I was not waiting for a punchline <laughs> to the conveyor belt. But there is that idea too, you know, it's a very Buddhist idea that time is a is a create man-made creation, that there is no real time. You know. So that is also a you know, one way of one way of looking at it. Well I do sort of lean a little that way in terms of um when I go for a surf, I don't take my watch. Mm. Um, partly because it's silver and I don't want it to look like a fish reflecting in the water. Uh, and <laughs> so for self-preservation reasons. Mostly because I don't want to be beholden to the concept of time. Yeah. I want to just enjoy the moment. Mm. And then when I'm finished, I'm finished. But it's creating that. Exactly. You're, you're creating this lifestyle to do it on your terms. The conveyor belt. I've, yeah. I've already determined that my week shall have these gaps Coming yes. down the conveyor belt. Yeah. So that when the now moment is a gap day. Mm. Did you now say you saw yourself um, five years ago? Yeah. And you were talking to yourself now, these ideas. How would you then have responded to these ideas, do you think? The thing about when you're stuck in overwhelm, it's very hard to believe that it's possible to have something different. Like I just did a wonderful blog post slash podcast about um, designing your own subscription business to fund your lifestyle and the only objection I got uh, was from one commenter who said, yeah, that's fine, you've been doing it for 10 years but what about when we're just starting out? And he completely missed the whole point of the post. The post was, here's what I've discovered over the last decade. If you do this now, you won't have to take 10 years to do what I've been able to do. Instead of taking that on board, he's just come up with all these excuses. I've got a, you know, I've got a job, I've got a family. I'm like, so did I. Yeah, yeah, I know. And this is still what I discovered. Vodafone. So he does, he wants it to be hard. He wants to be confused. He's, he's so he's using that as a reason not to have to make the sacrifices that he's are needed to do. What constantly passive aggressive towards me. Always, it's always a hint of jealousy or frustration at my success that comes across in the way that he communicates with me. Right. And until he lets go of that, he won't be able to have what I have. Yeah. It's not going to be possible because he's using that as an excuse. It's easier for him to be frustrated by me than to reflect in the mirror and say, hey, get a hold of yourself. Sure, sure. And it is interesting how, how much time and effort we do put into making up excuses. So to yeah. answer your question directly, I, I might have been, especially me, I'm a little contrarian, I might have been a bit argumentative about some of the ideas mm-hmm. as well because that probably is my default setting is to argue first and then adjust second. <laughs> right. And could, that, could, could, could you put that on, could that be like this guy who... I'd say his, a lot like, like that. So, you, so you see yourself a little bit from a while ago in, in this Yeah, guy. you don't want to, you don't want to, if you don't think it's possible, then the only outcome really is to argue it. So what would you say then to yourself back then, i.e. this guy? I'd say question all your assumptions and... Just take a step back and think about that most of the reactions you're feeling are probably because it's hitting upon a truth. Yeah. 
And that being able to change position is is a better skill than being able to win the argument yeah. every time. So that's one of the challenges of being a good salesperson and a leader who's, who's built a position of authority with a community or with team members is that you quite often get your own way. So it's hard to tell sometimes if you're right or if people are just surrounding right, yeah. Sure. So the, the, only, the only person that really matters at the end of the day is you've got to be able to look in the mirror and, and think, are you really being truthful um, or are you just getting a minor victory here that's sort of a bit hollow? Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point because you look throughout history at any of the dictators. Well, like a dictator is a classic example. Yeah, it's like you don't agree. Exactly. Right, next. So, you know, it's, so you end up, you get what you want, but it doesn't mean that what you want is the truth or the, the right thing. No, and no. often it's not. Yeah, and, and you have these people as advisors or these people with an outside view on things which are there to supposedly help you. Now, if you're opposed to that and you shoot them down, literally, you know, you're you know, you're living in a la-la land. And my best students pretty much ask me to help them by pointing out the truth to them, the way that I see things. And often I'm able to see things that they can't see and mm. it can, be, can create resistance or friction for them, but sure. that's also the thing they value the most because they're not going to get it anywhere else. Sure, sure. And especially if they're surrounded by yes people, or they have a lot of false assumptions. Uh, like there's one guy who deemed himself very successful, and when he showed me his calendar, it was like literally jammed full for the entire week. And I'm like, you must see this as a failure. This is a failure. Like if it's not aspirational to me looking at this, yeah. you're, I wouldn't swap lives with you mm. because your life's accounted for for the next for for the the future conveyor belt looks shit. Yeah, you've got appointment after appointment, which is you just surrendering part of your life to someone else for that hour or mm-hmm. that half an hour, and you've got it mapped out. It's like it's yeah. not even questionable. It's definitely happening. And finally, like last week, he sent me a picture of his calendar where he got like two days for work and the rest of the time for family, and that. That is actually success. Yeah, so yeah. I've rearranged his concept of what success looks like and he was definitely pulled into the stupid concept of workaholism bravado that seems to to be um, at many of the online marketing top levels. Right. It's worshipped. Like, like just to work, work, work. Oh, work, 19 hours else. a day, you know, hardcore. They call it hustling and, um, and you know, grinding and all of this i'm like that's so unappealing do you realize what a disease that is how you're going to kill yourself so if i was talking to my five year ago self i'd say you know if you take up surfing and you sleep more and you work a little less you'll actually make more profit and you'll feel alive and like and have a better quality of life yeah you'll drop 10 kilos and uh you'll feel fitter than you've felt since you're in your 20s and you'll feel mentally alert and uh life's going to be better I'd, I'd be thinking, you know, oh, yeah, keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. like yeah. the sound of this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting you say that because Jerry Seinfeld says when they were doing, when him and Larry David were writing Seinfeld, that they would have, um, he said usually with, the, with a lot of shows that they spend all the, all the time on meetings, you know, and everyone talking about, you know, with the studio execs and just, and he said, no, cut back on all of that. And we don't get any phone calls. No one, 
Larry and I are going to go away and write and work together. And we, we, you know, that's the way that we're doing it. That's they're the ground rules. And, you know, work for them was just, you know, it would have been great fun, you know, just workshopping these, you know, great concepts for the show. And, yeah, they, 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 they went against the norm, which was, you know, the normal way of doing it, which the studios expected. And they said, no, nah, this is the way that we do it. And, good. They, it's, and, it's, and out of that, they made a revolutionary show. It's often know. good to question the way things are done. Just because something's always been done that way is not a good enough reason. Right. I've found in a lot of the TV series that I've watched lately, I can accurately predict the next line. Sure. They're, they're so homogenised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just they're doing what they expect that they need to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's like as Seinfeld was a real. Well, as an example, that, that that episode in the Chinese restaurant where the whole episode is them waiting for a table five ten minutes, you know, waiting in the Chinese restaurant, and the studio was so opposed to it that like NBC was nah, this this ain't gonna fly. Is you know we can't do a whole show one scene in a restaurant. It's not gonna work. They did it, and that was one of the most memorable episodes. But the amount of, you know, the, the, what they were up against trying to get that show over the line was immense. But, you know... And how had their sayings are in, in, in English language now. Sure. No yeah. soup for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These pretzels are making me thirsty. thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> it is a yeah. classic. Yeah. What do you think the best TV series ever is? Oh, my. It depends what category. I think in terms of sitcoms, it'd be hard to beat Seinfeld in, in terms of the sitcom genre. Yeah. Like, I don't know. What, what would you say would beat Seinfeld in the sitcom genre? Like, there's a lot that are up there, but in terms of... Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean... Because we're putting, them, we're, we're putting them in genres here. We're not like... Well, you know, obviously, like, Friends was very popular. Yeah, and, sure, sure. Um, How I Met Your Mother was okay. Right. But, yeah, Seinfeld was... Classic. That was like in terms of any TV innovative. series, there's some pretty good ones. I, I tell you, I was re- the one from last year. I'll say True Detective that really stuck with me. I was really affected by that. I really like House of Cards. Yeah, yeah. I also like Suits and also Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is great. Yeah. That is that. That was like a, a good yeah. benchmark. The the um English Office. That that's, one when I first saw that. Well, that's that's what Michael put me onto. Yeah. Was, that was the first exposure to Ricky Gervais. But yeah. Having worked in an office, that really hit home for me. Yeah. I was in an office when I was watching The Office. Right, right. And it's uncomfortably accurate. Yeah. I, I, and a lot of my friends haven't ever worked in an office. Right. And to... To watch that, if you've never worked in an office, I guess it would be funny. Yeah. But you can't tell how seriously close it is to yeah. the Yeah. Uh, I haven't, re- I haven't, haven't the, pr- the, the privilege of working in an office. But just, just in terms of that as a comedy, that, that was, yeah, that was groundbreaking. Just the, 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 the point scoring by a boss and, and yeah. the rise to, to the top of incompetencies, infuriating yes. Yes. when you're surrounded by it. Yeah. Cover your butt bureaucratic Bullshit. point seekers and, and they're protected and yeah it's enormously i remember having rage when i was using forms at one company i worked at that were printed in the 1960s on the bottom it they hadn't changed since the 60s and it was at the time 1991 92 and and i was infuriated mm. and they they took me into a training room and they gave me a cassette player and I had to listen to cassettes uh, of 
how to repossess a car with an American accent using American terms that we don't use here. When repossessing a car, avoid using words like putting it in the barn. Because yeah, I'm always going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm pretty sure I'm going to avoid that too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's like, Joel, mate, listen, uh, you've got to make your payments back. We're going to put it in the barn. <laughs> you what? what? what you, own a, you own a barn. <laughs> the, the, I remember at school watching, uh, remember they would bring up slides, I remember in science class, like, and they would have like slides that would come up. and the projector. Be the, yeah, projector, and it would be like the American accent, it would be like, a boy drinks a glass of water, the water boils, steam rises, that creates molecules. Molecules are made up, and it's like, what is this? It's like watching something from the 1970s, and admittedly that was in the 90s, but still. Culturally, we, there is a divergence. When I listen to podcasts now, mm. the intros and outros often sound like a parody. They're so wound up. Yeah. I was speaking to a guy last week. He interviewed me on his show, and it goes like this. We we speak on Skype first. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, how are you going? Good. I'm a big fan of your work. I'm like, who's your customers? They say, oh, this. And then, uh, so, you know, we'll just sort of go straight into I'll do the intro, then we'll talk, and then he goes, and I go, right, let's go. And then there's this pause. Hey there, welcome to the theater. I'm like, hang on, who's this guy? Who is this guy? What happened? This guy just... Instantly flicked a switch yeah. into parody land, like cheesy fake bullshit, and and oh, I could mm. not believe it. And at the end of the show, I, I just sort of tongue in cheek, I said, "Wow, you really very passionate about the uh, introduction." He goes, "Oh, I love this. It really fires me up." And I'm, I'm, oh, I'm like, no. "You're drinking your own shit." Yeah, I mean, this is this is wrong. Yeah. But it's, like that on, that. but it's like that on commercial radio. But when they don't know this, that's the thing that alarms me the most. They can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't realise how silly yeah. that is. But it's, you know, it's David Brent. You know, it is. doesn't realise it. He doesn't realise he's not the greatest solo singer. Artist. Yeah, but it's yeah. hilarious. That's like a lot of those guys on the... We've talked about this. They go on those shows when they really shouldn't and someone in their family says they're great. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, sure, sure. Setting them up for a bit of a fall. But... <laughs> You know, the world's, I think, always going to have that. <laughs> and it makes it at least enjoyable for us. But but you, uh, like, I do write radio interviews, and, and it's like, hey, this is Jezza and Skipper from 102.5. How, how are you? And it's like, hang on, I was just talking to you beforehand, and you're normal. What is this? Is it, like, do people actually need this? And I, that's why I hate TV. You know, you hear these commercials. And oh, they think, shout at you. And you think, this is like a parody of someone doing a bad commercial. Like, yeah. yeah and- well, that's what they need to do to, to cut through. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. Like, I guess people listen and buy this shit, so maybe it works. But I'm much more, I, I much prefer uh, organic or native Just a normal conversation. Just, just yeah, or, or a normal, uh, you discussion know. Discussion about yeah. mention stuff. Yeah. Just, just put in a plug there that is just completely in line with everything else. I think mm. the best selling is invisible. Yeah. It's undetectable. Mm-hmm. And that's how society's sold and persuaded. And that's what this whole show is about. Uh, invisible. I, I don't know if the listeners know, but we've been indoctrin- indoctrinating you to uh, buy, <laughs> buy into, buy into that this show is actually entertaining. No, to, um, to actually, you, you know, 
it's it, it, that's what that's what I kind of like about what we're doing here. You know, we're not we're not selling well, anything. We're definitely we're not real. pushing anything. It's yeah, like we, nothing, nothing is nothing is prepared. We we didn't write out anything about what we're going to talk about today, well, which I, is probably I, very evident to the listener. No, I did write out. Oh, you did my jokes. Oh, you did. Hang on, we didn't get around it. Let's go no, through. No, it. Yeah, you want to go I through? I took it as a sign. Come on, no, we can. I I just didn't want to put you in the position of you know okay. having having to read them out because I know what it's like. You know, trying to workshop a joke in front of someone when it's. Well, I, don't, I don't have. I don't have. I don't. I don't have any problem with. I, it. I, I, so the. Yeah, okay. This one I know is already out there. I'm okay. sure because it's too obvious. Okay. But I was, uh, as you know, I have no elevator. Right. At the moment. Yeah. And so I read the paper on the way up the stairs as a way to entertain myself. And I never do this, but I read the entire paper by the thirteenth or fourteenth floor, and. I got. What are you talking about? Speed reader? What's going on here? The entire newspaper. Manly Daily, mate. It's, oh, it's yeah. not that flash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some yobbo footballer skip. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a dog on a stand up paddle. Skip yeah. that. Um, you, you know, um, Grant the pig, his dad, Peter, made it on the front page of the Manly Daily. Oh, well done. Yeah. Peter's dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we can go. That's a whole other story, but I want to get to this joke. So, yeah. well, I got to the horoscope. Uh, section yeah yeah well i just thought how how bad a future predictor would you have to be to land a job as the person writing horoscopes in some shitty local paper yeah 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 couldn't they foresee that in their future yeah like like, (laughs) use your skill for good yeah like that's that's the best you can do yeah (laughs) (laughs) so that was that was just an observation okay yeah yeah okay that's one. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, maybe in that you could work some concept into it, like saying, um, you know, people in, uh, people in the, the month of May will be questioning their career choices. And then the, it could be, I wonder which date in May this guy's birthday is. You know, something like to, to that. I'm just riffing ideas. Here, that's but, good. No, you know, it's like, yes, yeah, bringing it back around on this guy w- without having to say, because what you're saying is, this guy is what, – what, 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 where is he in his life that he's writing in the back of the manly, manly so daily it's, newspaper? It basically, but, it should be enough to say whatever's in this horoscope ain't good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, and, and, big, but, uh, he should be, but he's in the position of writing, of, of all things he could be writing, he's writing a horoscope <laughs> in the back of this ridiculous local paper. Local paper. So, you know, you're, that's what you're saying. To be that's fair, a, it's a good paper, but I, I'm okay. thinking there's so, many, there's so many things you could be doing – other than writing the horoscope yeah, in sure. the local rag, like, sure. you'd be down at, at the um, at the track placing yeah. bets. Yeah, you'd be on the stock market. Mm-hmm. You'd, yeah, be, yeah, yeah. Uh, you'd like, be buying a lot of. You'd be tickets. setting up a high level design agency selling corporate designs in a black skivvy for a hundred grand to yeah. stupid corporates. Yeah, uh, because you'd know what they want automatically. Yeah, sure, sure. They're really they're, they're shooting below so, their belt. Yes, yeah, is the point. Yeah. So if you were, I think if you work that into the description of a of a um, of a horoscope, I think that could work. What about this one? This isn't a joke. This is just more of an idea. Yeah. It was just that that sinking feeling you get when you've reached for the last piece of toilet paper, or like you know, like you're at a public toilet and you pull mm-hmm. paper, nothing else. That's it. Yeah. And you're like. This is that Mayday. Oh, shit moment. Good. Yeah. I'm sure there's got to be something around that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, anyway. Okay, so you got a premise there. Okay. Um, here's another one. I heard someone saying um, there's more than one way to skin a cat. 
And that sort of got me thinking, so you've actually done that? Like you're an expert on this? That's kind of scary. And um, so not only that, but you've done it more than once. Yeah. Like that's even, like this guy's some cat skinning fucking, <laughs> I, I don't know, like a... Fetish. Fetish. Yeah. That's, this is not someone I, I'm going to take uh, advice is, from. Yeah, this is not someone I'm going to listen to. Yeah, so really, <laughs> Not only have you skin a cat, you've yeah. done it more than once and yeah. you're somewhat of an expert on this. Yeah. <laughs> so you feel you can advise yeah. me. Anyone that gives you that advice, just slowly step away. Yeah. Back away. So what do you think about that one? Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I got, I got um, you know, like the one I do about the bar of soap. Yeah, I don't know I'm from a bar of soap. Who do you know from a bar of soap? <laughs> and we all use that saying like, how do you meet Gary well I was having a shower and so, so, I, and so I've added on to that one now so my grandpa used to always tell me um, tell me uh, um, uh, these common sayings but then he'd add his own words of wisdom to the end of it like if, before you judge someone else Joel you walk a mile on their shoes then you got a free pair of shoes and and the uh, the other one is uh, you know Joel it takes uh, it takes two to tango but it takes nine to line dance and like not long after that we put him in the home. <laughs> That's good. So you add a little bit more, yeah, because yeah. because I also extend it, yeah. And in fact, in so fact that's I kind of what I, I did with the skin of cat, isn't it? So you get the saying, and then you, that you, sort of leads you elaborate to onto elaborate with it, yeah. Right. Um, the last one. Everyone's all there. Yeah. Is uh, that's like assuming that Greg's still with us. Yeah. <laughs> By everyone. Greg. Hey, Greg. Yeah. Hey, Greg. It's good to have one fan. At least we know our avatar. We do. Yeah. We do that one. We we, that's who we're talking to. We're talking to you. And there's someone else too. Is there someone called Sean that listens? Is there someone? No. Let's so, pretend there is. Yeah, Sean. We're, so you, you too, Sean. I was there. I was basically at a, had a surf and and you come in to have a hot shower. Yeah. And after the shower, I'm putting on, because you're out in salt water, whatever, I put on some, like, cocoa butter, right? And and then I've got some skin cream because you can dry out in the sun and it's got, like, oats and honey. And I'm thinking, I'm like a fucking dinosaur snack. <laughs> like, everything I'm putting on is, like, breakfast cereal yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, it's all, yeah. I, I smell so good yeah, yeah. and I got all this food stuffs on me I'm just like turning into this and then you go and have a milk bar you know right like what is it with all this food extracts and stuff and yeah, yeah I just felt like I'm I'm like sort of Jurassic Park's <laughs> like favourite snack food yeah yeah <laughs> no, that's basically yeah. where I'm at with yeah 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 well that's there's some, there's there's something in that point. yeah yeah there's the something in point. that that's like Billy Conley used to do this bit about how whenever he went to the beach, something would always happen, and you know, like he he, he would like lather himself up in in sunscreen, and then the wind would blow, and he says, "And oh, I'm standing there like a fucking donut, just walking around the beach." And then he goes for a swim, and he he's out there swimming. You know, he's got his, he's he's put on his flippers and his goggles, and he's trying to you know do the whole you know the whole um the whole snorkeling experience, and then he turns and he sees his fin coming towards him. It's a long, drawn-out, elaborate routine, and he's freaking out, and then he gets up onto the beach and realises it was his flipper. So that's the, the payoff to the routine. His what? His flipper. Oh, it was yeah, his yeah, flipper. Yeah, yeah, at the end of the routine. Gotcha. But, it, you know, in, in Billy's hands, with him doing the long, elaborate story, it was very, so very... So someone very skilled could take this 
quite a small idea. And, and yeah, yeah, but that's what, you, you know, what, what I just delivered then was the premise of what it was. It's like you delivering the premise of the, yeah, uh, so, you know, so yeah, it's, it's everything else. So, which a joke is, you know, a lot of times, you know, you get a premise, but the real, the real art in it or the real craft in it is, uh, building up the story I guess it's around like a, it. like a book they might start with the chapters in the end and then fill yeah. it in sure and lead sure. you or, there or, or a play you know like reading a play in a book it's like all right well i get i get the gist of it there okay but it's the actor that brings to it the the, the, the bones the the, the 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 flesh and the meat to the bones you and know? then the tv series i'm watching at the moment where they each of the characters they go and give you a backstory to start developing the character and making you believe the character more and getting to know who they are more yeah. so that you, the things they do make a lot more sense. Yeah, sure. You feel an emotional investment or attachment to that character. You but See, there's a technique that they do like say... So can even work with bad characters like yeah. T-Dog in Prison Break. Right. He's a despicable, horrible man, but you, you sort of bond with him because of all the backstories they've Right, him. right. But it is... Well, my mum used to work in a detention centre in the education department in a juvenile detention centre. And she said, you know, on the surface you see all these kids and, you know, who have murdered people or committed crimes, but when you get to know them and you hear their backstory and actually so what they've been really through. that was just the punchline and uh, everything else was the story. Yeah, like yeah. Not that it justifies their actions and what they did, but it allows you to understand why they did what they did and how they got to that situation. And a lot of them, you know, and it's so easy for people to sit back and judge and go, oh, what a despicable person, look what they did. But it's like... If you had lived that life and you had been in those circumstances, you, yeah. you, you like to say what you would do, but until you've been there, you, you don't know what you. It reminds me of those um, protesters who are like protesting oil companies and that, and they're paddling around in their petroleum plastic canoes. Yeah, right. Yeah, like the irony, <laughs> and then, yeah. or the how we all have iPhones made in sweatshops in China and stuff, but we we talk about organic, sustainable materials. And yeah, that. like yeah, there's sure. there's so many. It's pretty hard to throw stones well, about anything. And, and, and in that whole situation, I always find it interesting that corporations, which they are, they do terrible things. No, no one's denying well, they that. Don't, like, for but, example, the big ones don't really pay tax yeah. and seem to get away with it. Yeah. For the little, yeah. the double and shuffle. Well, because they're the ones calling the shots. Right. You know. It's, you know, it's like in plain but, sight. But, but, but you think about it, all right, what a corporation's bottom line is, Wow. A corporation's bottom line is, you know, being able to make a return on profits. All right. That's essentially all it comes down to, you know, and you figure, okay, well, if say, here's an example. Say they got to get rid of some oil sludge, right? (laughs) And it's going to cost them a hundred million dollars to get rid of that in an eco-friendly way. Or they could do it for $40,000 and just pump it into that river. They're going to pump it into the river. Because their bottom line is making money, so it doesn't. So it doesn't surprise me when a corporation does something that is terrible, because their bottom line is making money. Now, here's the next stage: Who are they making money for? The shareholders. Who are the shareholders? You and me, and everyone else who's walking around in society saying how bad are corporations? So really, it's on blood's on everybody's hands. That's it. That seems like the perfect place to end this show. <laughs> <laughs> Just after we looked at how much time we've done. <laughs> no, but that's a good sign of a, you know. No, it's a, like a I was watching a, a, a series the, the, just the other day and like in the, the very end, well, the main character pretty much like 
said, right, let's wrap it up. No, no, they hung him. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Like, bummer. And that's the point too. That's Getting back to your idea on techniques that are used in when you can figure out what line they're going to say next in a TV series, I always think, oh, no, whenever I'm watching a show and they go into the backstory and really build up something, I think, this guy's going to get bumped off. Something's going to happen here that this is not good for this character. Sure enough. You know, nine out of ten times, something detrimental happens. Well, now to that I character. can see the twist coming. I know they're building us up to make us think something, but then the Bam. flip happens, yeah. and I can guess the flip. Yeah, and uh, it it's that happened in this show too. Mm. I could I could see it coming a mile mm. away. So they try and trick you, but you don't fall for it. Anymore. No, no. You, well, you see through the lines. You it's, see the technique. Very I know what you're up to. Yeah. I know you're I'm reading gonna, it. You want me to think it. this, yeah. but I'm gonna I'm gonna predict you're gonna do that. Yeah. Joel, great to catch up. Yeah, likewise, mate. It's been it's been a while. Let's eat. Let's go get some lunch. You've been listening to another episode of Kicking Back with James Shramko and Joel Osborne. Visit kickingback.com for the show notes, pictures, and join the discussion.